We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo, the co-host this evening. My partner in crime, Steve Goldstein, for another edition of the show. And we are getting knee-deep into the draft. We are not normally a draft pod, but we've been getting a little more and more into it as we get closer. It's just got a different feel this year. I mean, last year we're doing mock drafts. We're doing 
all kinds of different things. But Steve, this year it's been more cut and dry without all the media, without all the different things going on around it. I don't know, it doesn't feel right. Yeah, it's it's this definitely a strange time. It's going to be unlike anything we've seen pretty much ever in terms of how it's going to go. I mean, they're they're actually going back to the old days, right? When before it was even on TV when they were calling their picks in through a, a landline. But should be should be interesting. I, I don't think the production value on TV is going to be quite as good, but they're going to do the best they can. And you know, I think having the the cameras at everybody's house or basements, whatever the case may be, is will be will be kind of fun. So we'll see what happens. But you know, at the end of the day, it's all about the players and and what teams and especially our team, the Rams, and how uh, how we fare at the end of the three days. I think this is going to challenge a lot of the industry, NFL Network, ESPN. They're going to have to figure out a way to keep this thing interesting now because they don't have all the other stories available to them. They can't just fly out to someone's house and be there hanging out for the draft. They can't bring people into New York City or wherever it's going to be. It's supposed to be Las Vegas to make all that happen. They have to find a way to make this a television event. And some people are going to watch it just because it's the draft. But can you keep the ratings all three days when we're watching a virtual draft? We're just going to sit there and just watch basically paint dry. You're watching a bunch of guys pick up the phone is what you're doing. So how are they going to make this interesting for people to watch? And on the flip side of it too, on the team level, you're used to being able to go out and do your, your scouting, not just for film work, but get out there and see people face to face and really get in there with them. And now they really can't do that. It's going to be virtual chat. It's going to be many uh, hours of probably film study. We're going to see which teams are as adept as we hope they are in, in the Rams case, because they, they have some disadvantages there. Yeah. I, I think uh, for one, I think the ratings are going to be really good because we're all starved for live, live sports for one. Right. I mean, I was uh, watching the replay of the hot dog eating contest from 2014 and found that very exciting. So uh, uh, I'm thinking a live sports, live draft and, the theater that goes along with it and who picks where and the trades and all that, I think will keep people engaged. So I I don't think they're going to have a a problem with ratings. I think the ratings are going to be just fine. But you bring up the interesting point about the general managers and the coaches, the head coaches who are now going to have to be really plugged in to technology. And it'll be interesting to see if some of the older guys who are maybe not as experienced with it and have not kind of like not really had a lot, lot of interaction with it and how they fare against some of the younger coaches and, and GMs in the league. And fortunately for us, we have a, a young, obviously a young head coach and a young GM who pretty much grew up on technology. So I think from that standpoint, we might have a bit of an advantage. I don't know if you saw a Dave Gettleman set up the GM of the Giants, I, I, they added on ESPN uh, how his office was set up, but basically he had one laptop on his desk when everybody else had like six, seven monitors and, you know. So anyways, not saying that that's how it's going to be on Thursday, but um, <clears throat> it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting interesting to see how each team navigates uh, uh, definitely a unique uh, way of holding the draft. I believe the Rams do have an advantage. We all know that Lesting's a, a major film junkie. He already did a lot of their scouting beforehand as they got into the Senior Bowl and so on and so forth. 
I think they will probably be fine. But we're going to find out. We're going to find out real quick how good an evaluator Lesneed is and the rest of the staff is as they make this happen. Overall, I've got a lot of faith in the Rams that they'll be fine, but there's always going to be a little bit of doubt in your mind. There's always going to be a little bit of doubt in your mind when you see a change in the routine from last year to this year. So, I mean, we'll see. But in terms of broadcast, I think you're right. I think the first thing the broadcasts are going to be, it's going to be lit up. It's going to be ratings galore. My, my question would be what happens on day two and day three? Can they keep people involved as the name people come off the board? It'll be interesting. I mean, obviously, with diehards like us, that's not going to be the issue. But uh, you're right for, for maybe the casual fan. But I think it's like that anyways, even if we were doing it the way we have been doing it the last couple of years with the big venues, you know, day, day two and day three for a lot of what we'll call the casual fan who doesn't really know the names of the guys going off the board on, on especially day three, when it's three rounds and, or four rounds on day three, you know, they don't recognize the name. So it's not quite as interesting. And then they, you know, they'll go ahead to the beach or wherever, but uh, we'll see. It should, should, should be, uh, should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. it. Cannot come soon enough for me. I can tell you that. I'm ready to see it. Honestly, I'm ready to actually get in there and do this thing. It's been weird. And I was talking this, when I had a class with my students earlier, which was virtual. How, the day just kind of melted together now. Like how many of you, I'm talking to them, how many of you are actually losing track of what the day is? And they're almost <laughs> all saying, yeah, because they have been stuck at home. It's been the I, same I'm, for everybody. I'm glad, I'm glad it's your, uh, I, I don't, your students are what, about 15 years old. I'm glad it's, I'm glad it's those students who are, who are 15 and, and, and who are experiencing the same thing that I'm experiencing experiencing because I thought, oh my God, I'm really getting old. I can't even remember what day it is. And I'd have to, sometimes I have to look on my phone at the calendar and say, what, what day is today? But I think everybody's experiencing that. Yeah, so. you're not alone. I mean, it's just melding together. I mean, you've been home every single day and you're getting that daily routine coming in now. Yeah. It's, it is different. Especially for people who are not working. Like, so there are a lot of people who are like, you're, like yourself who are working albeit you know remotely but you're still you're still working and so you still have a little your routine's not the same but you still have a little bit of the routine you still got to get up you still got to be in front of your computer you still have to engage with people and and get your you know mind around your job but i don't have a job right now so <laughs> i could wake up any i could go to sleep anytime i want i can wake up at any time i want uh you know when i feel like uh having a bowl of ice cream it could be any time during the day you know i my regimen and my routine is really out of whack. I can't go to the gym. So it's, uh, it's really uh, kind of strange. And not only that, Derek, my hair hasn't been this long since the mid-80s. <laughs> and I was watching White Snake videos on MTV because I will tell you, it's getting, it's getting a little raggedy out here. Uh, so I even had this notion that I was going to maybe try to cut my hair myself and that quickly uh, – uh, cooler heads prevailed, no pun intended. I did. I cut my own. Did I, you? Went through, I just pulled some clippers out and I just cut it off. I mean, I knew they were going to close the barber and sure the next day they closed the barber. So I went and just pulled out my clippers and off and saved me a few bucks there. But I, 
I will be very happy when we can actually go and get a haircut professionally. Probably one of those places that has like a TV up there you can watch at the same time. Like I think they call it sports clips out here. Yeah, you can yes. go watch game and you know the little things in life. Yeah, the little things in life. And so I hope as we're missing those little things in life, we're realizing okay, whatever the policy is right now. Yes, if you have an issue with policy, fine, but still do the best you can to social distancing. Let's get this virus out of here and move on with our lives because we all want sports back. Yeah, we all want we want sports back. We want our lives back. We want our routines back, back, and uh, we 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 all you know you never want to sacrifice health for any of those things because obviously health is number one. But uh, we definitely want to get back into the swing of things. So, and obviously sports being a big part of both of our lives. So, when I heard your governor Newsom talking about possibly no arena sports this year, and yeah, until twenty twenty one, and I'm thinking, dude, you're crazy. Like, yeah. you realize how, I, how much this has changed just in two weeks alone and how it will probably change in two more weeks? Why yeah. are you saying things like that now? Let's just yeah. live life in the best we can. Hopefully, we can yeah. have a football season this year. I, I think I think he was trying to manage some expectations. But, I, I mean, I'm with you. I, you know, we don't, we don't know what's going to happen two weeks from now, let alone three months from now. So, but I, I think he was just, he was trying to manage some people's expectations. And, you know, which is, you could... There's pros and cons to that, right? So, well, but yeah. uh, we'll see. The difficult thing is, though, the whole reason we can even have a show now, people will listen, because there's a hope that this will end one day, right? You want to have yeah. our lives to somehow, it will never be the same. I mean, I think we'll never have things completely the same again. It, yeah. Those of us who lived through September 11th know that. But yeah. to get as close to almost possible, to, to get back to work safely as soon as possible, though, you need that hope. So you don't want to hear anybody saying, well, we don't expect anything for till 2021. We yeah. should live like and, this for the next 12 and he 18 wasn't, months. he wasn't definitively saying it. Yeah. And, and I think it got, it got blown up a bit, especially when it went national. He wasn't definitively saying it. I think he, what he was trying to say is, you know, be prepared for it. Just be prepared for it. And so I think that was kind of the message. And maybe, maybe it got... No, and I'm not saying that's what, I'm not saying that he was definitively saying that either, by the way. I'm saying that just even yeah. bringing it up at this point, I think... If you are a policymaker of any party and you're saying things like that, you're effectively, not purposely, I want to stress that. I'm not trying to make anybody out to be a bad guy, but you are effectively wiping out hope and people do need hope. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I I agree with that sentiment 100%. Absolutely. So. Well, we we did get some bad news today. Um, I don't know if you heard, but... The very first event at SoFi Stadium, Taylor Swift got canceled today. So that was yeah. supposed to be be the last week in July, and unfortunately, um, the Swifty fans uh, have been. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see, but it's it's what they're calling right now is a postponement. So it hasn't been canceled, but it's a postponement. I just got my email from SoFi about that. Um, but you know what, Steve? You know we just got to shake it off. Yeah, we yeah. just got to shake it well, off. If things are, I know things are going to get serious if they cancel my my Motley Crue Def Leppard stadium tour tickets in uh, late August, and I know things are going to be serious because I will not be happy about that. So, but uh, you we'll didn't see. catch the shake it off reference, did you? No. Oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. <laughs> Speaking of coronavirus, we do have a couple of things to talk about there. Before we do, reminds you that we are available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify. 
Spreaker, iHeartRadio, but the big place to be for us is Apple Music. We are still doing the five-star reviews there for the contest. We're getting there little by little. Once the two get those two or five-star reviews, we're going to give away a jersey, which, by the way, we'll talk about today a little bit. Give away a jersey, your choice, at NFLShop.com. This is how it works. Just go over to Apple Music, leave a five-star review, take a screenshot of it, send an email to ramstop1945 at gmail.com with just that screenshot. It will enter you into the contest. Okay, so go make it happen. And let's get that jersey in your possession. Okay, so COVID-19. Brian Allen this week becomes the first player in the NFL. And a day later, Von Miller's, he's uh, noted publicly that he hasn't. But Brian Allen, Ram Center, well, he's found to have had COVID-19. And because of that, the Rams had to close down facilities from the players. They had to put in new steps to take care of their their facilities. Award is he's all right. He's getting over it, but that hits a little bit close to home, Steve. Oh, yeah. I mean, but to think that he is the only one who's tested positive uh, or and or two with now Von Miller disclosing it and, and you know, in the past three weeks, four weeks, um, I think would probably be a little naive i'm sure there Mm -hmm. there are others have been tested and tested positive and had their symptoms um for it as well so you know a lot of guys obviously for privacy reasons aren't going to ever going to disclose it but um you know it's yeah i mean it's it kind of brings it home in terms of the football world i mean if you think about these guys and how they are, you know, the the proximity of each other in locker rooms. And I mean, not just at the games, but practice and, and, um, you know, trading uh, sweat, you know, I mean, that's just how athletics is. And it's, it's, you know, it's not unique to football, obviously other sports too. So, yeah, I mean, it's something that they're going to manage. I don't don't know if you saw Reggie Scott, but he was on with some of the local reporters here yesterday. And um, kind of explaining the he didn't go too much into the uh, Brian Allen symptoms. He didn't want to, you know, get into that for obvious reasons. But, you know, he spoke and said, you know, things are going to change. I mean, there's definitely going to be different protocols and uh, things that are going to happen in the locker room now that that are going to change. And, you know, probably for the better, too, because it's, you know, beyond just coronavirus, there, there are other other things that are contagious um, that uh, can can affect a, a team. You often hear when the, when the flu hits a team, um, how it runs through the entire team, just because of their proximity to each other. And you know, whether it's in the training room or the locker room, what what have you, and the things they share and the the food they every, you know they spend a lot of time together. Um, and so you would think that. You know, maybe they come out of this, you know, for the better in the sense that, you know, the way to treat, you know, these types of contagious type diseases uh, will be better. Remember they had the big, um, um, the, uh, what was the thing with the, with the, the open wounds? Remember it started, it started in Tampa Bay. Are you talking about? Um. My God, I can't MRSA? Um, yes, MRSA. Yes, yes, yes. MRSA. 
and how that kind of spread because of the you know situation and mm-hmm. and every team pretty much had to um disinfect their their locker rooms and and things like that so um so i guess this is the t- same type of thing so i mean it's probably a little worse than that because with with MRSA you actually have to touch something that's got something living on it in this case just talking to somebody can lead you to getting it just having the germ sitting on a, oh yeah on a spot. that's right there are so many different ways yeah, to yeah, get the, it yeah the contagion part of it is way 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 worse obviously but i'm just kind of trying to compare it to you know locker rooms and and you know in all sports and and how it's gonna it's gonna change a lot of protocols but yeah thank thank god brian allen is fine he seems to be uh be doing well and there was actually a couple other guys in that facility rehabbing because apparently the nfl is allowing players who actually who have come off either surgery or or doing some kind of physical rehab or actually have a an acute illness they are allowed to go to the facility and um consult with team doctors or work out with the trainers so there was a couple of other guys that were in that building and we could probably guess who they were because um you know they had a couple other guys who were coming off injuries and and were rehabbing as well so it seemed like they did a good job of identifying um obviously who those guys are who those guys came into contact with um you know so it they were asked i think um either sneed or mcveigh were asked if any other people have tested positive and they said no they said nobody else has tested positive at this point so that's that's obviously a good good sign and we can't forget there's estimates out there that covid is non-symptomatic asymptomatic for about half the population so half the, there's probably a much bigger population not just of athletes but of people overall who've had it and didn't even know it and that's right. scary to think of it so i mean but you know it's it is what it is right now yeah also in the news we talked about last week and you were very very direct on this Les Snead interviewed this week talking about why Todd Gurley and Clay Matthews had not been paid yet. And his reasoning was, let's just say, pretty much what we thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it last week and how ridiculous it it was uh, that the Rams were somehow... um, not paying them to screw them over or not paying them for whatever reasons they thought they should be paid on that particular date. And uh, obviously, uh, you know, guys, like I said, like we said last week, guys don't always know their contracts. (laughs) So I think uh, those guys are going to get paid. They're going to be fine. Everything's it's going to have a happy ending. So don't don't worry about it. If you're worried about Todd's finances, uh, Todd will be just fine. I mean, it didn't go over well for random people when we're all seeing a bunch of so many people lose their jobs and so on and so forth to have a player online who is talking about not getting his money yet. Like, dude, yeah, it was it was tone deaf. Yeah, yeah it was, it was com- completely tone deaf on his part. And uh, so. Anyways. I, I just want to point this out too, and there's an entity here that, ironically, before we started this show, you and I were having a, a different kind of conversation, and and this, the media came up, and this just comes to mind as well. 
how garbage was the sports media about reporting this and talking about it? Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, that's a, yeah, that's the other thing that we had brought, brought up last week about how, you know, the, the local ESPN reporter, reporter ran with the story when she saw it on Twitter and it went local. I mean, it went national. And then all of a sudden you see it on the scroll on ESPN and on NFL network you see it on Pro Football Talk, and now it becomes national news, and the Rams have to respond to it, and you know, and it was it was pretty much a non-story. Let's be honest, it, it was a non-story. It was it was Todd trying to be funny, joking around, you know, and it, it was it was pretty much a non-story. But you know, there it went like wildfire. You, you light a match, you light a match in a forest, and and, and there you go. So that's what happened. I, but I have a problem with it, to be honest with you. And it's not really the local ESPN reporter. When it's before the draft, that lull between free agency starting and the draft beginning, okay, there is very little content out there. And given some of the contentiousness we've seen with Todd earlier this year and last year probably, I can understand why you'd report it. Did it have to be this massive national story? Did it have to be <laughs> this? Right. It became a narrative. It became really quickly a narrative that the Rams are cheap. And in fairness, the Rams, and just like I, I talk about Rams brawl with Tommy Polly and, and Arlen Harris, they noted past instances where the Rams were quote unquote cheap. And in this case, I'm, I countered and said, look, what if, what if it's just what you and I talked about? If it's just the terms of the contract? The Rams have proven over the years they are going to follow the terms of a contract right. to a T to get what they want. And they have every right to do that as same as a player and they're part of the contract. So I have a problem with I really have a problem with certain media members going off the handle with this and making this into a Rams are cheap, what free agent would ever want to go play for them narrative. Yeah. When the, re- the well, reality is that the Rams had to fix their cap. And the reality is the Rams are getting slammed right now because they have the least cap space of any team in the NFL and that's kind of uh, uh, kind of ruins the whole narrative of them being being uh, cheap because they are they've paid out huge contracts to, to guys. So I don't I, I don't think that's uh, if that's a narrative. That, yeah, it is careless, and and I don't think it's a narrative though that has very much steam. And I, I think the, the the people who who know. Um, know that so which 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 is basically the agents around the league uh most of the players around the league they know they've taken care of their guys and and i think i think that's the uh, the the important one you know what 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 the narrative is and in, in the media is um you know obviously not not the, not the truth as to what what reality is in terms of this situation it's not reality and i mean the Rams can't win for anything, to be honest with you. They really no, can't. Da- damned if you do, damned if you don't. 
They go out there and they spend the money on the players that you think deserve the money. And then they're criticized for doing that. And then they're criticized because they paid the price for spending that money. And that's where I think, A, being a team in Los Angeles can hurt you. Because you were expected to pay your stars there. And then when you pay them, then what? You're going to get hammered anyways. I just, you know, mean to be in a place when it comes to the media where you're going to be trusted as a media when you are openly honest about it. And to take a tweet like that and blow it up into a story that really wasn't a story is dishonest to me. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, it was a big-name player with a high-profile team and, um, you know, and and that along with the fact that there really isn't any sports content to speak of, uh, it became a story, unfortunately, so... And I understand that's, that's where we that's where we that's where we are today on April in, in, in April of 2020. So, and next week though we will have a story. So final we'll have that happening. Also in the news again, I don't know who leaked it, but quote unquote leaked uniform yesterday. I can't verify it. I don't want to verify it. I have my thoughts on the uniform. I'll, I'll, you know, you first. What do you think about the uniform that was supposedly leaked yesterday? Uh, agree, disagree on if he is, if it even is the uniform, and if it is uniform or isn't. Jeez, what do you think of it? Um, well, the color. I'll, I'll say the good thing. The, the colors are right. I think the colors are fine. Um, I, I, I am more of a classic numeral guy in the sense that I like classic numerals, and and I, I don't know if you noticed, but you know, remember when the when Tampa Bay went to those, like, we'll call them digital numbers on their uniforms, yeah. uh, which were horrendous, in my opinion. They've now gone back to the, to the uh, regular uh, numeral, wh- whatever font or whatever you want to call that. But um, the, the gradient part of the numeral is, uh, I think you had even mentioned it, about, the, about how they kind of look like the Pro Bowl uniform a little bit. Yep. Uh, it's not quite as gradient as that, so it's 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 fine. I, I can understand that. Um, so I, I haven't taken a real deep dive into it, to be honest. But it, it looked okay. I mean, the, the colors were right. Uh, like I said, as long as it's not that Notre Dame gold, uh, I'm I'm good. So we got we got the royal blue and the and the soul yellow, and it, from that standpoint, it looks fine. Uh, the helmet is going to be, you know, the other part of it and um that's gonna be the problem steve yeah yeah i i know you know for me it's not so much the the shading of the of of the horn so much it's and it's this is kind of a nitpicking i suppose a little bit but it's it's that it's the bottom of the horn that doesn't go around and curl around right so it does look a little bit different from that respect but again you know the colors are there, and so for I mean, me, it doesn't. I think I think we're all going to get used to it. I guess I guess that's going to be my point. I think a couple things have to happen. All right. I mean, a the 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 jersey looks it looks ridiculous, but I'm happy they kept the colors. I mean, 
we can all agree, I think, if you are an L.A. Rams fan, or even a St. Louis fan who liked the earlier uniforms, I would say that they got the colors right. Okay? That's great. And the jerseys don't look great. They look... If you're th- if that Pro Bowl image comes in your head, we're talking 90s Pro Bowl fade there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not what you want. But it could be worse than that, to be honest with you. It could be worse. It could be a lot worse than that. <laughs> it, could be, the, it, could be a, it could be a lot worse. The helmet, though, if you... I mean, if you just curl the, hel- the the horn around and kept it connected, yeah. that, that break in it, I think people would love it. I think it would be a modern take on it that people would enjoy. Yeah. You broke up that horn, and that, that that's the horn that's been there forever and a day. That's your brand. I, I remember the older, older horn had a was thicker on top, and they kind of thinned it out in the newer helmets. Yeah. That, I get that. That's fine. But when you start actually, that, that horn itself had this, Seems so small and so silly. Matter of fact, a, a uniform itself. We've, I've, we've, we've had this discussion about how media members are kind of poking at the fans or throwing a fit about a uniform, but the uniform is very much set in the Rams. This is one of the things they're originally known for. So even if you mess with something small like the horn, you are taking from that. And I, by the way, I think other teams have learned this lesson because the Browns went back to the traditional look too. It looks great, by the way. The Bucks went back to uh, their more their pewter traditional look. I mean, we all wish they can go back to the creamsicles, but like, apparently they can't by contract for a reason this year. So you, you cannot forget there's value in tradition. I think that in this effort the Rams made to reach the future generation, Steve, that they were willing to risk alienating some of the old school fans. And then as I saw this, this leak, quote unquote, going through Facebook and so on and so forth. Sure enough, it was really the younger fans that were okay with it overall, and the older fans were not, for the most part. I'm not saying everybody's that way, but generally speaking, and I got to wonder long-term how that affects the brand. Yeah, I I mean, look, every change is difficult for a lot of people, right? So it's kind of human nature. And we're used to a certain a certain horn on the helmet. We're cert- we were used to a certain numeral on the uh, uniform. And uh, but when I first saw it, I didn't I didn't have a, a, a strong reaction to it, like a negative reaction to it. I thought, oh, it's it's fine, it's okay. And I think the more you see it, and the more you know, you, you see the uniform. Um, on the field i think we'll, we'll get used to it i mean so it, it is about appealing to the new newer fan and the new brand of fans because let's face it they want to sell tickets I'm, I'm sorry they want to sell merchandise right so you know you're going to have that and they want to sell new merchandise and people who don't like it like we touched upon a few weeks back when we were talking about the, the new logo people who don't like it are not going to buy it and you're still going to be able to buy the old colors and the old uniform. Uh, you're still going to, you know, it's you're still going to be able to buy the the old logo on sweatshirts and t-shirts and hats. It's going to be around. Uh, if sporting goods stores are finding that they can't sell the new logo on hats or the new uniform, they're going to not keep them in stock anymore, and they will start stocking older merchandise. So, I mean, just just for a 
uh, a discussion point to that. When the Rams first moved back here in 2016, I went right away within the first three months um, until when they got when they got equipment in and they got uh, jerseys in. I went to the local sporting goods store in the mall here, and even though you know we had we were bringing in those the colors from St. Louis and it was the same colors, guess what was in the store? It was all royal blue and, and yellow. Mm-hmm. It was all throwback stuff. Every, all, not all of it, but I would say 70% of it was. And the reason for that is because that's the stuff that was selling. That was the stuff that LA Rams fans remembered back in the day. And that was the stuff that was selling. So when you're talking about a retailer who is in business to obviously make money, they are going to sell what is selling. And if the if the older stuff and the and the older logo is is the one that's selling, that's what you're going to see in the store. So, and there are people like me, by the way. I'm not going to buy the new stuff. I'm not. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy the throwback stuff. That's my taste. I am. If throwbacks available, I'm buying it. I do not like the new stuff, and that's my prerogative. If enough people do just that, then. In three years, guess what? The Rams are changing their stuff again. And I saw, I don't know if you saw this tweet, but one tweet had a picture of Jared Goff and the last year's throwback colors. And they said, your Rams uniform 2025. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How they labeled yeah. him. But that's actually true. If, if the yeah. fans really want the team to change the logo, sending in Eric Dickerson's not going to do it. Okay? No. But there's nothing wrong with Eric doing that, by the way. But it's just not going to work. You're not going to change your mind now. You change your mind with the pocketbook. And so if you like the uniform, go spend that money. Okay? If you don't like it, then the best way to get their attention is the opposite. That's just, that's economics 101. Yep. My guess yeah. is they're changing their logo in three years, but we'll find out. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Money, money talks, right? And we know what walks. So yep. there, you ha- there you have it. So. All right. So moving on here. Sponsorship. We do need sponsors for the 2020 season. I, like I said earlier, believe we're going to have one. So in order to keep us above water, please consider sponsoring us. You can reach out to us at ransom1945 at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail, 657-665-453. I've got a media kit ready to get out to you, give you all of our numbers and everything. And we'd love to have you on board. Also, don't forget we are part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go check out their great set of podcasts, a lot of different people involved. Good stuff. Okay. All right. Draft time. This is where I'm going to lean back and listen to the man talks when draft. Okay. Because you've been putting in the work. You've been doing all the resource. You're a, you're a draft nut. So here we go. The Rams have two picks in the first two rounds. If you are in that front office and you have, and you know what those witnesses are, where are you going? Well, so we're at 52 to begin, right? So. I'm looking at the top five running backs on the board. Uh, and the reason I'm looking at the, the running backs is I, I think this is the position that, especially in the environment that we have now, with very few, there are going to be very few OTAs, uh, practices, chances to learn the playbook. Running back is a position where rookies can thrive the most. And I think with 
in terms of not having to have a full understanding of the, of the play of a playbook. So I think you're going running back and I think they're going to go running back either at 52 or 57 if they don't slide back a bit, but somewhere in that mid to late second round with their first pick or second pick, I think they're going running back. So I th- I'm, I'm going to call them the uh, big five. We have the on top of my board is DeAndre Swift. Now, we love DeAndre Swift. A lot of people have seen him. We went to, obviously, Georgia. Was on TV a lot last year and the last couple of years. Been a very productive back his whole career. He's a three-down back. He's good in pass protection. He's, he's a really, really good receiver out of the backfield. Uh, I think DeAndre Swift, if he is there at 52, which I really don't believe he will be, I think he's going to go before that. But if he is at 52, you know, I guess... Because the way we're doing the draft, we could say instead of running the card up, you zoom the card. I, I guess <laughs> that would be a good, good, good phrase. Can we zoom the card up there as fast as we can, Les Need, please? So at fifty-two, um, I'd, I'd like Swift, but let me let's go down the other four really quick, right? So the second guy I have is is uh, Derek's favorite is J.K. Dobbins because of course he's really. He's a the Ohio State guy, and if you mm-hmm. want to talk about J.K. Dobbins, because you, 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 I would defer to you on J.K. Dobbins because you know you're 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 the guy who, who who likes him a lot. I like him a lot too, and obviously they've been on TV a lot. And um, he's a, he's a complete back. Another guy like Swift who pretty much is a complete back. But uh, what what are your feelings on on J.K. Dobbins? Well, he would have to adopt to a new adapt to a new system out in L.A. The, the Buckeyes run a lot of different looks, but they, they are more of an offense that will rely at least some on a quarterback running. They rely more on movement in terms of where you are replay, where the Rams rely more on deception and how they do business. So running style, play calling, assignments, he'll have to adjust to that, but he's tough, he's durable, he'll get you the extra yard, he's got good burst, He's not, say, as explosive as Todd Gurley was when Todd Gurley got into the league, but he has an explosion, and he has a nose for the hole. Like, he knows exactly where to find his run the daylight. He's decent out of the backfield, so in that respect, he would be a good match for the Rams if he can adjust to the Rams' offensive system. And I, and I like his chance of doing that. He's very intelligent, and he's a team guy. So you can really expect him to to be a solid pro, a very good pro. And one thing I do also like about him, and I compare him to another Buckeye great, I really like that he is not like emotionally, overly emotionally invested into everyday things. Like when Ezekiel Elliott was over there at Ohio State, when things didn't go his way, the guy threw fits. Okay, kind of the same way in the pros. <laughs> yeah, and well, and I get your emotional. In that was, I mean, honestly, that those Buckeye teams, that the Buckeye team that won in twenty fourteen, won a year early. Honestly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they were really supposed to win it. I mean, really be in, in competition for it a year later, and they stepped up. They overachieved really in twenty fourteen, and then underachieved the last couple of years in my view that 
that uh, Urban Meyer was there. I know that's going to be unpopular to say, but when you expect championships, when you come into a season thinking this could be the year, and then you go off and you blow a game to Purdue or to Iowa, you don't just blow it, you blow it badly. That's underachieving. When you yeah. don't reach your, your actual talent level, when you don't reach your potential, like in my view, the Ohio State program has been just as talented as the Clemson program has. Well, why is Clemson winning championships? Ohio State hasn't. Well, they weren't reaching the Urban Meyer was, he just wasn't getting that last inch he needed to get towards the end there. I think Ryan Day will, by the way. But that's kind of the talent pedigree with Dobbins, just wrapping back around. With Dobbins, Dobbins has a lot of those same aspects that Ezekiel had. Ezekiel's probably, the, probably just the better pure running back. But I think Dobbins is going to be better out of the backfield. And he's not as emotionally... He's not as emotionally susceptible to dumb things as yeah. Ezekiel yeah. was. And you need that to play in L.A. I think you need to have a calm demeanor. And you have to understand, in, with, in the Rampers showing it, you can't, you can't be in a position now where you fall in love with a guy. Get to fall in like with the guy. I forget it was the way you said that. Some, on one of the shows we talked, someone said that. Yeah. And it made so much sense. You gotta, you, you, if you're a football team, you can't love somebody to the point that you can't see the right on the wall and say it's time to change up. Right. And yeah. you won't have to worry about J.K. Dobbins not understanding that in the way out should that ever happen. Right. So, so we, we're, we're saying he's an all-around good guy, good locker room guy, mm-hmm. all-around good player on the field. So I think at 52 or 57, you would be okay with the Rams taking J.K. Dobbins, right? I would I think, be. Okay. I think, he'll, I think he would probably be, a, I mean, depending on how the yeah. draft goes. And we, yeah. we don't know with all these receivers in there how it's going to go. Right, yeah. Okay. And, and we, we might you know, later. I, I think there, there are a lot of teams that, you know, I think running back for is is not a a huge need for a lot of teams. So I think that's a lot another reason why, along with the depth, um, the depth of the overall draft and the undervaluing of running backs traditionally. I think that's why a couple of these guys are going to drop. I think J.K. could be there at fifty two. I don't think Swift will be there. But if we move on to our next couple guys. Uh, these guys for me are 3A and 3B, but 3A for me is Cl- Clyde Edwards Hilaire from LSU. This guy is another complete, um, very, in my mind, he's, he's underrated. And, and I'll tell you why. He is short, okay? He's like Mark Ingram short, mm-hmm. but he is a lot quicker, he has a lot more wiggle. His balance is off the charts. You see this guy getting hit by a 250-pound linebacker, and they bounce off of him. He, he is just he, – he's, he's 5'7", 207. So he's short, but he's not little, right? Because he runs with a lot of power, a really good base. And, you know, he's not the fastest guy in the world. He ran, he ran a 4'6", which is, you know, which is fine. Um, but he had a – 39 and a half vertical in a, at the combine. 39 and a half vertical is like an NBA vertical. Like, you know, anything that's close to 40 is, is just incredible for a football player. And you're talking about a guy who doesn't fumble. 
He's you know good ball security, um, very good in pass protection. The only thing in pass protection that that he needs to work on is he has a tendency to dive at guys' legs instead of taking them up you know up top. Um, but he does it. I think part of the reason is because he is short and he feels like he's he has a leverage advantage. But um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is would be a great addition uh, in, in the second round because if you wait to the third round, you will not get him. He will be gone. Uh, in my mind, he'll be gone midway midway through the second round, mm-hmm. um, if not sooner. The other guy at 3B for me is Jonathan Taylor, the running back from Wisconsin, who is a little bit bigger. Taylor's 5'10", 226. But if you saw the combine, you kind of like fell off your chair when a guy that big ran a 4'39". And he shows it on the field. Like there are some guys that run, fa- that run fast in, in their underwear. Mm-hmm. In, in 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 Indianapolis, but they don't. It doesn't really translate to what you see when you when you watch them. But Jonathan Taylor runs away from people, and um, you know there's there's two things about him. Otherwise, I might have him number two ahead of Dobbins even. But there there, there are two things about him that make me pause. And, and one is he's got a, a tendency to fumble. He had, I believe, he had um, six fumbles last year. And that's a lot of fun. And I know he carried the ball a lot. He did. But that's a lot of fumbles. And, and once you get the reputation for fumbling, uh, guys have a tendency to start swiping at the, at the ball. And so that gives me pause. Um, and the other thing, he's got a lot of mileage on him. He, he had a lot of carries in Wisconsin throughout his career. And I think he had over 900 carries. And that, that's, you know, that's a lot of carries. Now, that being said, he was never hurt. He always played. He did not miss a game at Wisconsin. So he's got some toughness to him, which is great. Uh, he actually had Ivy League scholarships to, or not scholarships, but was accepted to Harvard and Yale, and I believe Princeton as well. So he's he's a smart kid, and he is um, someone who's obviously very very talented. And I think he will be there at 52. So he's another guy at 52, and the and the other guys uh, already taken. Then then he would be my my three B or four four guy. So um, I'm sure you got to see him play Ohio State a few times, uh, being a Big Ten guy. So yeah, I don't know and, if you have any thoughts on him? My memories of him. I wonder. I wonder how he'll translate the NFL in terms of offense. Like Wisconsin power runs, they don't throw a whole lot. Right. They he didn't get the call out of the backfield a whole lot, and I wonder, especially given the fact that I really believe the Rams have to get back to that this year. I, one of the things that made the Rams' offense so good in 2017, 2018, was that they did incorporate the running back out of the backfield much more. Last year they weren't able to do that. And it helped defenses being able to creep up more and more, knowing that they didn't have to worry about about running back as much. Right. That has to change this year. And so you yeah. need somebody who can come on the backfield. Right. That, that's why I like Edward Hilaire, because if you see Edward Hilaire, uh, he, he catches everything. He, he's like a wide receiver in terms of his hands. He, he catches every single ball. I mean, Edward Hilaire, for a small guy at five foot seven, He's got nine and five eighth inch hands, which for a guy who's five seven, that's 
that, those are big hands. So you could tell he uses them uh, well when he when he's catching the ball in the backfield. And you're right about Taylor; they do run that power game, so they weren't they weren't throwing to him that much. But I think they threw to him a little bit more uh, this past year than they have in the past. And he he showed he can catch the ball a little bit. So you know that that. But the, you're right, a hundred percent. They need to have a guy who can catch the ball in the backfield. Uh, I think that's going to be a, a big part of their offense this year. Um, the next guy I have, the the fifth guy, and the the fifth and last guy in terms of running backs who I would take at 52 or 57, um, and probably 57. I, I don't know that I'd, I'd take him to 52. And, and this might be also a target if uh, our friend Mr. Sneed decides to do what he does, and, and that is a trade back. Um, he's a guy, this is a guy I could see going in the, in the mid, I mean, later towards the second round, and that's Cam Akers from Florida State. They had a terrible offensive line at Florida State. They were just terrible. So, you know, his, his statistics aren't really um, indicative of what uh, what kind of back he is. He is an ex- an, another explosive guy. He ran 4.47 at the combine. He's 5'10, 217. Uh, he was one of the highest uh, recruits coming out of high school in his graduating class. Um, very good at pa- pass protection. Uh, nine inch hands, so his hands are fine. You, see, you hear me talk about hands. I think hand size is really, really underrated when it comes to other positions other than quarterback. In any of the skill positions, I think I think hands, especially obviously receiver, but but running back as well, because you know when you when you have these big hands, you, you have, can have a better grip on the football. And to me, in terms of running backs, ball security is I place a, a premium on ball security. I really do. And you know, one turnover can lose you a football game. Mm-hmm. So I um I I'm I'm, I'm big on that. So. But to get back to Cam Akers, he, he's another guy that I think definitely will be there at 52 or 57. Um, I, I won't be disappointed if they take him there, but he's also a guy that could fall back a bit. So those are my, my five big ones um, in, in the second round. So um, now, if you want, we can talk about wide receivers in those positions, or we can go down the, the running back list. Well, let's uh, – I mean- I'm in second round. You think running back for sure. Where else are they going to go in the second round? You think wide receiver? Yes. I, 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 and let me, let me preface this by saying that a lot of people are, are going to offensive line at this point. And what I say to that is offensive linemen, and especially given Les Needs' philosophy about redshirt years, he doesn't draft offensive linemen to play right away. And especially in this year, where rookies are going to really going to be under the gun because of how things are in terms of getting to know the playbook. So I think offensive linemen, any offensive lineman you draft, it's going to be for 2021 and not for this season. And that's why I'd rather get guys at the top of the draft who have a really good chance of not just contributing in 2020, but making an impact in 2020. So for me, that's the running back, it's a wide receiver, it's an inside linebacker, and an edge rusher. So if we look at some of the other guys um, that I like in terms of uh, wide receivers, 
there are a couple of guys that can fall because this depth at wide receiver is ridiculous this year. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, there's could be 25 guys that have, you know, top three grades, three round grades on them. So there's one guy who's really intriguing that pretty much has been mocked in the first round, but I've noticed he's been sinking and there are guy there are people now mocking him in the second round which i think is very interesting and that's t higgins from clemson he is 6'4 216 nine and a quarter inch hands but anybody who's seen clemson football and i'm sure there are everybody because they they're on tv so much know how explosive and how big this guy is um and what a good route runner he is and you know one-on-one 50 50 balls in the air uh, T. Higgins, again, I don't know that he's going to fall to 52, but if he's there, I mean, for the value, and we talk about how Les Snead loves value picks, you know, i.e. Aaron Donald, Todd Gurley back in the day. If, if T. Higgins is there at 52, that's going to be a hard one to pass up. That will be a hard one to pass up because, like I said, he, you know, I have him as my third best receiver. I, I know there are a lot of people that, you know, Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, and Henry Ruggs are, and Justin Jefferson are the top guys. But I got T. Higgins right there. I mean, I almost would rather have T. Higgins than a Henry Ruggs. But I, I, see, I see him falling now in mocks, and I think that's very interesting. So there's him. And, of course, there's Brandon Ayuk at Arizona State. Uh, this guy is a explosive explosive playmaker six feet 205 uh if you saw a couple of the games last year he just makes plays all over the field he's not a 4-3 guy he's you know he's not tyree kill in that regard but man he just makes play after play after play and he's a he's a kickoff returner he's a deep threat uh i would really like to see them get a guy who could replace uh brandon cooks and a guy we have to remember Josh Reynolds is going to be a free agent after next year. And are we going to be able to resign Josh Reynolds after next year? So a guy that could possibly be that guy to take the top off the, off the uh, defense, I think is, is, is something that they could target. So um, I, like, I like those two guys there. Um, and there, there, there are other guys. Um, everybody likes Denzel Mims, right, uh, from Baylor. And I, I see a lot of mock drafts. Some and and actually the Rams had him in at, for a visit. They had Denzel Mims from Baylor in for a visit. And mm-hmm. you know, for me, he's he's like that really sexy woman who, when you walk into the bar, all the guys notice her, but nobody's gone up and talked to her. And then you, so you don't really know about her personality. So for me, Denzel Mims is that boomer bust guy, right? If you look at him on on film and on tape, he makes big explosive plays. But he doesn't run a route tree. They they don't really run the route tree at Baylor. And they did a little bit more last year with Matt Rule being there. But they, you know, if you, you think about Corey Coleman and how how highly thought of he was coming out of the draft out of Baylor, and you see where his career has gone in NFL, not it hasn't gone very well. Denzel Mims is a boomer bust guy. He 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 could be, you know, he could be an Alshon Jeffrey type of guy, or he could be, you know, Corey Coleman. So I know a lot of people have him going there to the Rams, but I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy about that pick. Um, so 
he's another receiver that I kind of wanted to highlight a little bit. And maybe my favorite receiver that will definitely be there in the second round. And again, he's a guy, kind of guy that you might be able to trade down for. But my favorite receiver in the second round or mid-second round, late second round, is Devin Duvernay from Texas. If you want to talk about a Brandon Cooks clone in the sense, but he also returns kicks, though something that Brandon Cooks didn't do. Uh, this guy is not, he's 5'10", 200, nine and a half inch hand, ran a 4'39 at the combine, okay? Super explosive. And again, that speed translates on the field. When you look at him, look at what he did against LSU. If you, you, got, you guys should look at the LSU game and how he dominated uh, the LSU game. And that's, you know, that's obviously the highest, highest level of competition you can get, right? And mm-hmm. Devin DuVernay led the NCAA in, in catches. I, I believe he had 106 catches. Now, a lot of those catches were on wide receiver screens, which McVay loves. He loves that wide receiver screen, right? And Duvernay is built, unlike Brandon Cooks, who has got a slight uh, lower body where pretty much arm tackles brought him down. Duvernay is built bottom down like like Tyreek Hill. Very, very, very big thighs. He's, you know, he's built like a sprinter. He actually was the Texas high school state champion, okay, in, uh, in 100 meters. And that's not like being the state champion of Rhode Island. That's Texas. That's that's some serious speed. That's some world-class speed he's got. So he's a guy, I, and uh, I have to mention also, his hands are incredible. He might have, along with a guy named Van Jefferson, the receiver from Florida, he might have the best hands in the draft. Um, he, he's kind of like um, a Jerry Judy in the sense that he, he can – he can he can be explosive, but he also has great hands. And a guy who can run like that and has great hands, those guys are pretty rare. So I like Devin Duvernay um, up there. He's he's my he's my other guy that I like. So those are those are some of the running backs and wide receivers. Um, there are a couple of other guys that are interesting. I mentioned Van Jefferson. There are two guys that remind me of Cooper Cup. Van Jefferson. And I'll let you speak about the other guy because the other guy's Ohio State guy is KJ Hill. Um, but Van Jefferson is a um, son of a coach, uh, ex NFL player Sean Jefferson, and he's six one two hundred, so he's got you know average height, average speed. Um, but man, this guy runs routes. He's probably the maybe next to Jerry Judy, he's probably the best route runner in the draft. And I mean, he does things with his head and these subtle movements. And you could tell he's a coach's son by the way he runs his routes. And great hands, uh, great feel. Uh, he's just not that explosive. So he's he's probably not going to be your you know home run four three deep threat. But Van Jefferson is. Uh, I would compare him to to a Cooper Cup type player, and the other player who I think is is pretty similar is, is KJ Hill, who I'm sure you've seen a lot. Um, KJ is going to be an interesting pick by somebody because no one really knows how good he can be, and it's not anything negative about him. It's more of a testament of how low the the Buckeyes were last year wide receiver, where they ran four or five deep. 
he's been good. He's been dependable. He's been a person who will make critical catches in critical situations. You can find him up the middle. You can find him going down the sideline. You can find him as a quick option on an out route. I mean, you can find him in different places and him. He will be successful. It's just yeah. you don't know how good he'll be because he's never been in a position where you'd see if he'd actually be a one. I mean, like, seriously, the Buckeyes were loaded at receiver to the point where they had talent everywhere in the field offensively. And I don't know if that's a negative or a positive for him, but that, that he was not able to establish himself above those guys, but on the same token, they were all good. Right. So, yeah. He's a mystery. He, he's a yeah. guy who's done everything, but he's never done anything as a set number one guy. So we don't know what he'll be in the pros. I think the polish he'll have coming out of Ryan Day's offense will be helpful to him, though. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. I, I don't know that he, you know, again, he, he's not a, a second round guy. He's probably more of a, a third, mid third round guy. But um, and I don't know that he he's a fit if if the Rams are looking to replace a Cooks because obviously he's not that explosive guy. But you know he's another guy to keep keep on the on the radar. So, um, but as far as the other um, second round picks go, I, I think they have to address inside linebacker. And and the guy that I really like at inside linebacker is Jordan Brooks from Texas Tech. He's a Three down linebacker. He's sideline to sideline tackler. He is um, he's a tackling machine, much much like Micah Kaiser was at Virginia, a tackling machine. But the difference is Brooks has more athletic ability. He's faster, um, but he is a wrap up tackler. Uh, he's six feet two forty. Ran a four five four at the combine at six feet two forty. So you know he can get around sideline to sideline. Um, so I really like Jordan Brooks. I would if Jordan Brooks is there, uh, depending on what running back is there, because at fifty two and fifty seven you have some flexibility, and you just have to decide, you know, how many running backs are left that that we like that are worth that value, or how many in, you know against the inside linebacker, um, et cetera. So, but Jordan Jordan Brooks is a, is, a, is a guy like. The other guy I really like, and a lot of people aren't talking about him, is is an inside linebacker from Wyoming. is is Logan Wilson. Uh, he was a safety. Uh, actually, I think he was a quarterback in high school. Came in as a safety, but much like Corey Littleton, who was a safety at Washington, uh, Logan Wilson is is that is that type of a style player. So. Um, I think Logan Wilson would be would be a good pick too in in terms of yeah. how much. They they like him. I don't know if you know much much about him. But, Not as much, but um, and I think we do need to kind of pause here and when we come back this early next week because it's time for us to go. So great uh, breakdown. Oh, I keep we're going to come back to those linebackers. Great breakdown okay. of the running backs and receivers. <laughs> we go and give you guys all their news that's out there, and we give you a little bit on the linebackers as the top two guys in SD's view. We'll get more into them next week. If you agree or disagree with these assessments, please let us know. You can find us on social media at Talk Rams. You can find me at DC. You can find Steve at Rams are home. 
16. Did I get it right? Right. Well, it's yes, but you have to kind of spell it out because yes. the R is just the letter R. So it's it's R A M S, the letter R H O M E sixteen. Um, it's complicated. <laughs> All right, and we're, we're available <laughs> pod- anywhere podcasts can be found. In the meantime, we back this weekend with Mike, getting giving you guys a, another look at you know the players view on all that's going on, and then. On Tuesday, next week's big for us. We'll be around a lot, so get ready for some more Rams Talk content as the draft is now a week away. We'll talk to you soon. We're out of here. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history still in the making? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history still in the making? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.